Well, what a great morning it's been already, eh? I love Baptism Sundays. It's so cool. It just fills me with joy to see people making that step of faith. And it's just incredible that you can all be here to, to share in that. Um, so this morning, I just want to take a few moments just to, just to delve into the word a little bit and we can uh, hear what God's got to say to us this morning. Um, so why don't we pray and then we're going we're gonna to jump in. Lord God, we, once again, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for your incredible sacrifice. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you. We thank you that, Holy Spirit, you live within us and you're working within us and you've got so much to do through us. And we just pray that we can walk in line with the plans and purposes that you've put on our lives. Reveal them to, the, to us. Make, sure, make them a burden within our hearts so that we can't, uh, we can't mistake it for, for your purpose on our lives. And may we just fix our eyes on you as we walk on that path to purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Well, I've entitled a message this morning, My Victory, and I'm just going to read to you a portion of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. If you have your phones, you can access them or it should come up on the screen behind us as well. You may have noticed that the, uh, the visuals are a little bit sharper you might not. I notice these kind of things. We've got a new projector and it gets me very excited because <laughs> things are now crystal clear instead of a bit out of focus. So <laughs> hopefully those people that are short-sighted can now you know, experience that. So let's read. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 50. It says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on the immortal. But when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortal, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, the story of, of Easter has all kinds of things that pertain to a, an incredible mystery story. You know, it's full of intrigue and, and shady characters it's full of backstabbing and, and a bit of gruesomeness and it's full of betrayal and there's an incredible plot twist at the end for those of you who know the story well. And it's the kind of end that leaves you wanting more. It leaves you wanting more. You see, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders had developed this plot in order to kill Jesus. A guy who, who for all intents and purposes was innocent and they couldn't really find in him any guilt despite all the trials that they put him through. They couldn't find anything, but they made this plot to kill him. And then Judas, an insider, was bought off. He was paid and he agrees to betray Jesus, his friend. 
And there are farcical court scenes and and witnesses that are persuaded to release a, a criminal and chief government officials that are used in this crazy and illegal plot to kill Jesus. And then Jesus is, is handed over and they, and they beat him and they crucify him and they bury him. But then comes the plot twist. Spoiler alert, he comes back to life. He comes back to life. He comes back to life and for 40 days he then walks the earth and he spends, times with, he spends time with his friends and with his disciples and he shares with them and he, and he eats with them. And hundreds are witnesses of this event that goes down, this incredible moment in history. And then hundreds watch, including his disciples, as it says, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. He got taken up to heaven. He died for our sins and he rose again to to conquer death. And he spent a little bit of time on earth just, just explaining to his disciples and his friends and those who would listen the purpose of, of what was going and reassuring them and saying, don't worry, I'm only here for a short time now. I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send someone else to come in and, and help you continue on the journey that we've started together. And so they were looking intently into the sky as he was going up to heaven, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. So when the Apostle Paul writes in our, in our text from this morning, Behold, I tell you a mystery... He's giving us this glimpse into into what went down in CSI Jerusalem and what an epic conclusion it was to that story, to that historical truth of, of what went down in those last few days of Jesus. And it says this in Ephesians 2, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, it's important to, to realize that our salvation isn't earned. It's not uh, a reward for, for stuff that we do. You know, I think a lot of people kind of strive to, to be good people. They, they go about and do good things in order to almost earn the right to get into heaven. But the truth of the gospel and the truth of what we read in the scriptures is that it's a gift given to us freely, no catch. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever it is that you've done in your life, whatever your past might look like, 
whatever your circumstance or situation, there's this gift from God and he's just giving it to you. He's saying, here you are. You can be righteous. You can be holy. You can have redemption. You can have forgiveness for all of your sins, for all that you've done in the past. And it's free. Just take it. All you need to do is say, yes. All you need to do is invite God into your life and say, yeah, I believe that's the truth and I'm going to walk in that. But then once we've made that decision to come to God, like our two guys who were baptized this morning, that gift is received and, and we've received it freely and then hopefully something will change in their lives and they'll begin to, to look a little bit more like Jesus each day. And as they, as they go to, to work or as they hang out with friends or as they meet with family, their character will change. And that's not out of striving to earn this thing that they've already received. It's because they love God. You see, when, when Christians, when we invite God into our lives and, and something in our spirits change, our lives then reflect that. It's just a, a natural reaction to the decision that we've, we've made to invite him into our lives. So, so the way that we act, and, and when you notice things different about Christians, it's got nothing to do with striving to attain and achieve and earn the right to heaven. It's purely out of wanting to please our God, because he sent his son to die for us. He gave us this incredible gift of life. And so as a thank you, as a, a very minute little thank you, we just give our lives back to him and say, okay, you've done that for me. I'm going to give you all that I've got. And so we try to live our lives a little bit more like Jesus each day. And let me just encourage you, because you may be thinking, oh, well, I don't look anything like Jesus. Well, neither do I. We all mess up. We all fall. We all fail. We all have mistakes. The important thing is that you don't stay there. The important thing is that when you mess up or when you make a mistake or when you slip back into your old ways that you recognize that's what happened and fix your eyes back on God and begin to walk again in line and in step with him. You see, eternity isn't something that we work to earn. Eternity was bought for us by the work of Jesus. We were purchased by the blood that he shed on that cross. You see, God, rich in mercy, wrote a check to pay for all of the sins of mankind, for everything that you and I have done wrong. He wrote the check and it was paid in full. You see, we were dead in our sins. We were spiritually bankrupt. We were homeless and we were hopeless. But in Romans 5 verse 8, it says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made that choice to go down that path. As we looked at on Friday, he, he, had the, the, you know, he, he could have said, I'm not going to do this. He could have, have just carried on his life and, and stopped rocking the boat and stopped kicking up a fuss and stopped doing the things that he was called to do here on earth, but he didn't. Through sweat of blood, he made the decision to go to the cross. And he made that decision so that he could pay 
the price so that we can then have relationship once again with our heavenly Father. And in order to get to that point where we can walk in that, it takes faith. It takes faith. And faith is when we accept that gift. Because Jesus is standing there and he's saying, here's a gift of freedom, here's a a gift of life, here's a, a gift of redemption, you can take it. But it takes faith within us to to even believe that that gift exists. And when we have that faith, we can reach out and grab it and we can walk in it. Faith is experiencing the realization and the conviction of our sin and turning toward God. Because in faith, we recognize that we mess up. We recognize in faith that we are not perfect. In fact, far from it. So in faith, we can take hold of this gift and turn our eyes to God. And faith is uniting yourself with your heavenly Father. It's uniting yourself with Christ in his burial as we go through the waters of baptism. Because when we do that, we we symbolically join with him in death and then in resurrection. We unite with our Christ in that. And faith is your heavenly Father welcoming you home with open arms. You know, many of you will know the story of the prodigal son where where this guy makes the decision to just go off and, and take his inheritance and live a ridiculous life. And the reality is that's much like, like many of us. You know, as I, I said briefly on Friday, when it got to kind of sixth form and, and uni days, I kind of did that. I took my inheritance and ran and I, I lived this life that was reckless and foolish. But at some point I realized and recognized that that was not the way I was supposed to be living. And so I turned back around and, and the, the joyful thing is that I didn't need to, to kind of crawl and beg my way back to the Father with, with groveling apologies to say, I'm sorry for, for messing up. I'm sorry for, for being a fool. Because as soon as I turned around, he was there with open arms. He was there sprinting towards me, unabandoned, lifting up his dress skirt to greet me with open arms, to put a ring on my finger, to throw an incredible robe on my back and say, you are my son and I am well pleased with you. Because as soon as you make that decision to turn around to God, to to turn back from your mistakes, he greets you with open arms and he wraps you in love like only a father can do. So faith isn't working your way to heaven. Faith is showing that heaven is at work in you. Let me say that again. Faith isn't working your way to heaven. Faith is showing that heaven is at work in you. You know, as we've learned this morning, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The, the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. So on the day that Jesus returns for his bride, I'm sorry guys, but we're referred to as the bride of Christ. So when he returns for his bride, when that final trumpet sounds, we shall be changed. In a moment, in an instance, in the blink of an eye, we'll be changed. I have no idea 
what that's going to look like. But I am so excited to see it happen. I got no clue what that's going to look like, but I am so excited to, to see it happen. Because Jesus' resurrected body was a real body. You know, Jesus went through that incredible time of, of torture and betrayal and, and humiliation, and he, he was nailed to the cross and he died. He died for real. It's not just a, a fairy tale or a story. He was actually dead. And then they, they took him down from the cross and they, they buried him in the tomb, and his body was dead. And then... Three days later when he rose up out of the grave and he came back to life, he came back as a real man. He didn't come back as a ghost or, or a spirit or some ethereal being. He was a real flesh and blood man walking on the earth again. In fact, when he, when he met his followers once again, he said, look at my hands and my feet, touch the, the hole in my side where the spear has pierced. See for yourself, it's really me, and I am real. He walked with them. He ate with them. He touched them. He, he spent time with them. He was real. Jesus had a, a real body, and yet Mark tells us that it was radically different. It was radically different. You see, he appeared in another form. In fact, so different that, that Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him. His disciples didn't recognize him. When he was walking along to the, the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him because he was radically different. And although in, in the upper room when he in, invited Thomas to say, you know, come and, and touch and feel that I'm real, he managed to enter that room through a locked door. So there was something different about his body. He was very real, and yet he was also very God. It says this in, in 1 John chapter 3. Beloved, that's such a great word. Be loved. Be loved. Be loved. We are God's children now, and what we, will, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So at some point, when Jesus returns, or, or when we get to heaven, whichever happens first, we're going to be transformed, and our bodies are going to be completely new. And for some of us, we're rejoicing in that that our bodies are going to be completely new. If there's any sickness in your body, it's going to go. If there's any pain in your body, it's going to go. If there's any disfigurement in your body, it's going to go. And we're going to be made brand new when we meet him in heaven. And this is the hope of God's people. It's the, the mystery of the Easter story revealed in us. You see, death doesn't win. Death doesn't win. We all mess up and so we're all destined to die and yet love wins. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In him, we have the victory. In him, we can have life. We don't need to die. 
We don't need to spend eternity in hell because he has given us the free gift of life. He's given us the free gift of life. We just need to accept it. And that's the truth of this day. That's the truth of this day. That's what it means. But the truth of the resurrection isn't just for today. It's not just for Easter. Do you remember that slogan, a puppy is not just for Christmas? There was a phase of people going out buying dogs for their kids at Christmas. So they put out a campaign, a puppy is not just for Christmas, it's for life. Well, Jesus isn't just for Easter. He's for life. When we accept Jesus into our life, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a, yes, I've been saved and now I'm going to carry on with the way I was doing life. It's not just a for now. It's not just for Easter. When we make that decision to come to Christ, it's a decision that we make for eternity. Because it doesn't just have a, an instant quick fix thing. It has eternal value. It has eternal value. When you make that decision to invite Jesus into your life, it changes your eternal destination. Amen for that. So Paul concludes in, in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It starts, therefore, and, and therefore is an important word in the scriptures because therefore is there to, to remind you to look why there, what there is for. Therefore is telling you what is there for. So you look before. Does that make sense? It made sense to me in the first time I said it. Okay, so when you see the word therefore, you need to look what came before it because it's saying there's something important going on. And actually what Paul is saying here follows something of a discussion about the resurrection. And basically what Paul is saying in this, in this portion of scripture is, don't quit. What he's saying is, don't lose hope. What he's saying is, you have this incredible inheritance. So live your life in anticipation of that. In the knowledge of what's to come, we should live our lives excited for it because when we truly grasp hold of the truth of the gospel when we truly grasp hold of of the truth of our eternal destination when we truly grasp hold of everything that it means to be a follower of Christ we should live in anticipation of that moment when we meet him you know we don't want to be caught and when God returns doing something that we're going to regret and if we are it won't matter because his grace is abundant. But surely if we have this relationship with God, we just want to please him. We want to live our life to, to make him happy, to show him exactly how much it is that we love him. The genuine follower of Christ celebrates Easter all day, every day. Not just on Easter Sunday. Although it's great to have a date in the diary where we can remember and celebrate all that this means. But we should live our lives like it's Easter Sunday every day. So that we can celebrate his life and our rebuilt relationship with our Heavenly Father every day. Through the way we think, through the way we 
act, through the way we live out our lives. We serve a risen Savior. Jesus is alive to us, and he is alive in us. The difference is in our connection to Jesus. You see, you see there's a huge difference between knowing about someone and actually having a relationship with them, isn't there? You see, we can know about this, this man called Jesus. We can maybe have, have read some Bible or have heard some Bible stories or have gone to Sunday school and, and heard about this man named Jesus. But the knowing isn't enough. The knowing isn't enough because you can know about someone, but it doesn't mean you have a relationship with them. You see, I know of Brad Pitt. You know why I picked him. <laughs> I know of him, but I don't have a relationship with him. I've never met him. I don't call him my friend. So that's the difference between knowing someone and actually having a relationship with someone. You see, I, I heard about Jesus for a long time. But then there was a moment in my life where I, I actually said hello. Where I actually started to get to know him. And it's through building that relationship with him that helps me understand more of who he is and more of who I am in him. You see, we need to not just know of this man named Jesus. We can't just know of the story of Easter. We need to have a relationship with him and let that impact our every day. Christianity, much to some people's disbelief, isn't a religion with rules to be followed and work to be done. It's a relationship with a person. And that person is Jesus. And he's alive today. You know, maybe for you, Jesus is just a, a fictional character. Or, or maybe he's just someone that you, you heard spoke about at Sunday school. Or maybe you've even read a few stories about him. Or, or maybe you just think about him at Easter and at Christmas. But really, you don't know him. His death and his burial and his resurrection have very little to do with your everyday life. You know, maybe God's name is, is one that you use in anger or frustration or in a moment of pain. But actually, you don't have a relationship with him. And spending time with him and, and praying to him and, and reading your Bible isn't a priority because you don't have that relationship with him. You just know of him. And maybe even you, you try to do some good things because you've heard that that. If you know God and, and if you know of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then actually what we should do is try to be good people. So you, you help out at charity shops. You, you go to Africa and help, help out with orphans. Or, or you just try to be nice to your neighbor. So uh, you're trying to achieve the things of heaven, but you don't have a relationship with this person named Jesus. You see, if we're just doing those things, if we're just being good people to try to earn heaven, it's not going to work. We need to have a relationship. We need to make that choice to invite him into our lives and say, do you know what? I recognize this is the truth. 
I recognize the, the power of the cross. So I invite you into my life to, to make me clean, to make me righteous, to make me holy, to make me one with you so that I can have relationship with you. And then when you get to that place, all that stuff that you do then just becomes a method of honoring your father. You see, it's great to love your neighbor and it's great to go abroad and help where we can help and it's, it's great to serve in church and it's great to do all these things, but it's even greater if we're doing it to honor him. The best life is when we live a life that honors and pleases him. And the saddest truth Paul addresses in his closing statement is, is that some had this intimate friendship with God, but they'd, they'd given up. They'd lost hope. They'd forgotten that, that first love, perhaps. But the Father's will is that even before the creation of the world, even before we were formed, his purpose and his will was that we would have an intimate and life-saving relationship with him through his son Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't call us from our sin to be good people and to work hard. The Holy Spirit calls us and he prompts us to be one with him, to be one with the Father, to be at one with our Creator and our Saviour. So let's not forget that Jesus is the way home. He is the truth that sets us free and, and only in him and through him we can have eternal life. You see, no one comes to the Father except through him. And that's why Paul says, our victory is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, stand firm. Don't be moved from this relationship by anything. You know, life can throw all kinds of distractions at us, can't it? Life can throw all kinds of things at us that try to pull us left and right and try to make us come off the path that God has put before us. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. We need to know inside of our spirits the truth that he is Lord and that we were put here for a purpose. Give yourself fully to the work that God has called you to. See, I often say that we've all been put here for a purpose. We've all been put here for a, a specific reason and God has planted something within your heart that he wants you to achieve. And sometimes we can look at that purpose and we can say, there is no way I can do this. It's huge. But is there anything that is impossible for our God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But this question reveals so much about God. You know, maybe you need to insert your specific need into that question. Is this call on my life too big for God? Is this thing that, that I've been put on this earth to do too big for God? Personify that phrase. Take hold of it. Let it root deep in your spirit and know that God is all-powerful and that, he can do, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Is what I'm facing right now in my life 
too hard for him to overcome? Absolutely not, because we have the victory. We have the victory. It's what we are celebrating on this day. We have the victory over our circumstance, over our situation, over anything that we are facing. Love has won. I'm just going to read something from Romans chapter 8 and then we're going to close. It says this in, in Romans chapter 8 in a portion that's, that's titled in my Bible, God's Everlasting Love. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In him we have the strength to claim our victory. In him we have the, the courage to claim our victory over our circumstance, over our situation, over whatever it is that, that is, we are facing. In him we have the victory because on this day we remember love wins. Love wins. Let's pray. Lord God, we just, we just thank you once again for this day and we thank you that through your death and resurrection we can have the victory over anything and everything that comes our way. And we know that when we're walking in the plans and purposes that you have over our lives, that, that Satan and his minions will try to pull us off track. That distractions will come and, and, and people will enter into our lives to, to whisper lies into our ears. And, and we just pray against those. We, we stand firm on the promises of your word that says we are more than conquerors. That in you we can have life. And that we can have life abundantly. That we can have the victory over death. That we can have the victory over circumstance. That we can have the victory over anything that deigns to come against us. And we just praise you and thank you for that confidence and that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.